Podcast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I'm your host, Megan Vole, and I'm your co-host, Emily Hutchinson. And Emily, since this is our second week hosting together, mm-hmm. I have a question for you this okay, time. Okay, I'm ready for it. Have you ever read Station Eleven? You know what? I have not, but I have heard a little bit about it. Well, that's good, because our guest today is going to be talking a little bit about that as the crux of his research. We're here with Mark Ambrosio. Thanks for being here, Mark. Thank you very much for having me. And um, to start us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about what your research is and what's it got to do with Station Eleven? Well, thank you very much, Megan. And that's a very good question. Uh, Station Eleven was published in 2014 by the Canadian author Emily St. John Mandel. And it was a very interesting work. Uh, It's a post-apocalyptic novel. Um, it's, it was marketed as a general novel or, if anything, as a literary a work of literary fiction. Well, within a year of being published, uh, Station Eleven went on to win the 2015 Arthur C. Clarke Award. Wow. Uh, which is, so it was kind yeah, of interesting yeah. because it wasn't marketed by the publisher as a science fiction novel. Okay. Okay. And so right away you had a bit of a conflict or um, a question of interpretation and categorization come up. And that's sort of where my research lies is... And I'm doing a PhD in library information science here at Western, and I'm interested in um, genre classification. I'm interested in studying the question of genre classification of fiction, uh, especially of novels, through the prism of science fiction, which is a particularly contentious or difficult genre to define. Uh, So I'm approaching it with the light uh, or in light of the publication of Station Eleven. Okay, that's really interesting. So I guess my first question will be taking a little bit of a step back. Why do we classify books into genres? Yes. Like, and this is something I think I've just taken for granted. Like the bookstore is organized by different genres. But why do we do this? Why is that important? That's a very good question. <laughs> Thank you. And the idea is to facilitate reader choice. Mm-hmm. Originally, all fiction was going to be classified in genres to help facilitate reader choice. Um, So you could walk in or go up to the librarian or at the bookstore and say, I'm interested in, I like this type of novel, and they can point you to it. Over time, though, there became gradually a distinction between general fiction or literary fiction and what became known as genre fiction. And over time, the categorization of genre fiction became a little pejorative, especially from the perspective of the university or the academy. And it was seen to be genre fiction consisting of specific genres were seen as following certain conventions, tropes, or formulas. And so it became known as formulaic fiction, which became very much a pejorative or almost, yeah, a very critical term. And so you had a soft hierarchy emerge between fiction and genre fiction, with fiction seen as being better or superior reading than so-called genre fiction. But originally, everything should have, should ideally be categorized into genres. Yeah, yeah. So then, okay, going off that, what 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 was Station Eleven's issue? What did it was it in the middle of the line type of genre, or was it unclassifiable? Like, why Station Eleven? Why was this book um, so problematic? So, if you look at uh, the website uh, HarperCollins and what how they describe Station Eleven, it says general fiction. Okay. So it's very much resisting the genre appellation. And uh, uh, so when it won the Arthur C. Clarke Award, Emily St. John Mandel, the author, was initially very apprehensive of of that designation. And she said, quoting uh, her agent, well, it can't be science fiction because it doesn't contain 
and she called it science fictional technology, mm-hmm. which is kind of a whole other question, like, what does that mean? <laughs> and uh, uh, whereas from the perspective of readers, it became, you know, to us, well, hey, it is fiction, science fiction, because we as readers say it is, um, and winning the Arthur C. Clarke Award, which was decided by a panel of readers. Um, and then since then, she went on to publish Glass Hotel in 2020 and Sea of Tranquility in 2022, which is unambiguously science fiction. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make a long story short, although she initially resisted that genre categorization, I think she was influenced by it. Okay. So so you mentioned a bit reader's choice, and it, readers will say what genre something is. So is that how the definitions are typically made? It's it's by readers? And who are these readers? That's so a great who, question. So who makes the definition <laughs> of science fiction? Well, okay, that's a very good question. Um, publishers, when they publish a book, they will usually say what category category belongs to. And some publishers will publish some fictions and others will publish other kinds. So it's usually made by publishers and sometimes the authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's very much, I think, a question of publishers. Um, in regards to science fiction specifically, I think the question has been difficult for some time. Um, the term science fiction was coined by Hugo Gernsback, who, pub- who founded the serial Amazing Stories Mm -hmm. in 1926. And the term was originally called scientification. And he said, by scientification, I mean the Jules Verne, H.G. Wells, and Edgar Allan Poe type of story, a charming romance intermingled with what he called scientific fact and prophetic vision. So he categorized, he began the categorization of science fiction. But uh, yeah, from the perspective of readers, it's not entirely clear as to what science fiction is. Mm -hmm. And it's been debated uh, in recent years. Within the context of the academy or the university setting, science fiction has sort of been taken a lot more seriously since the 70s and has been a subject of academic debate since then. Mm -hmm. So although I'm using uh, Station Eleven as sort of the entry point into the discussion, it's a discussion that's been going on for a little while. Yeah. Thank you. Well... It seems to me um, that this is really related to the death of the author. Um, yes. <laughs> very much so, and you're nodding. Um, and I, I guess because Emily St. John Mendel said that um, she wouldn't classify her book as science fiction, correct, mm-hmm. right? Initially. Um, initially. Readers certainly, I guess, do. And I've read the book, and I would most certainly classify it as some form of apocalyptic science fiction hybrid. Um, so my question is, um, I guess, why does the reader's perception matter? As we've already discussed, you know, there's a panel of people who classify books and, and are, for better lack of term, the expert in genre. So why does the reader's perception or what they think, why does that matter? Thank you. I think, uh, thank you, Megan. That's a very good question. I think the idea of being an expert in genre is a little bit tricky because I think there's two ways of approaching that. You can look at it from the content of authors. Well, th- maybe three ways, really. You can look at it from the perspective of authors. You can look at it from the perspective of content. And you, can, you can look at it from the perspective of readers. So if you look at science fiction from the perspective of authors, you can say, so as I mentioned, Gernsback talked about Jules Verne, Wells, mm-hmm. Edgar Allan Poe, and I would also add Mary Shelley, who published Frankenstein in 1818. Mm-hmm. So those are all 19th century, early 20th century authors. So you see them, those four big names, mm-hmm. fast forward about 50 years to the 1950s, 60s, you have the big three of science fiction's so-called golden age, um, Arthur C. Clarke, Jules Verne, and Robert Heinlein, sorry, Arthur C. Clarke, <laughs> Isaac Asimov, and uh, Heinlein. And the author perspective sees science fiction being a tradition. 
an author is either writing within the tradition or not. Mm-hmm. Then you can look at science fiction from the perspective of content. Um, so how much, i.e., how much science does it contain? How much invented or imagined science does it contain? Those two are kind of different, but they're both similar, I would argue, in a way in that they're both looking at characteristics and that they see genre as being something that objectively exists out there. And that's an approach that um, I think is coming under scrutiny. Uh, There is an author, um, Rick Altman, a professor of cinema and comparative literature at the University of Iowa, and he says it's largely taken for granted, including among academics, that genres, as he put it, actually exist. They have distinct borders that they are firmly identified. And he says they don't actually exist. There's no such thing. (laughs) There isn't really. So there's no such thing as science fiction per se. Rather, what you're experiencing is, or what you're looking at is experience that readers have when they read a book. So it's not so much the content, because when you start looking at the content, our categorizations become difficult and they become inconsistent. So as an example, Um, Within the science fiction community, there's a major distinction between so-called hard and soft science fiction. And also the relationship of science fiction to fantasy is also controversial. And when you start looking at content, it becomes difficult. So, for example, Isaac Asimov is seen as being one of the big hard science fiction authors. And hard science fiction is supposed to be concerned with more science and not so much with philosophy. Mm. Soft science fiction is concerned with philosophy. Well, if you read Asimov's iRobot, that's philosophy and morals and okay. um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the distinction becomes problematic and it's not so much perhaps a distinction in the content as so much as the reading experience. So in what way, so I ask, what way does the novel entice a certain experience on behalf of the reader? And it's not so much that the content of science fiction has certain features, but rather the reading, it will facilitate a certain reading experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. I'd like to hear more about hard versus soft science fiction. Uh, how is that typically viewed by the community? Do they think that like soft is better or hard is better? Or is there, there <laughs> disagreement? And then I guess another question, slip that in there, is what would Station Eleven be? Yep. Because I I was I want to guess soft. I think yeah. So that's okay. fair. As as much as I find the the distinction inconsistent. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I would think most people would see Station Eleven as soft science fiction. These distinctions are very controversial. Sometimes soft science fiction might be seen as being more palatable to, let's say, English departments. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and uh, hard science fiction would be, you know, science fiction for the scientist, to right. put it very simply. Um, and I think in general, I think that that's probably the best distinction you can get. Um, as I say, though, it starts to fall apart. So, for example, fantasy involves, which is a close kin, involves elaborate world building. Mm-hmm. Um, it describes a fictional world. It may take chapters to describe the language that they speak, their religion, uh, the social hierarchy, uh, etc., the geographical features of the world. Mm-hmm. So that's all world building. Well, when you read a hard science fiction novel, the opening chapters are also world building. Yeah, because it's <laughs> yeah. usually sometimes futuristic or they're on in space or something like that. And that kind of is world building. Mm-hmm. I see what you're saying. Exactly. So in that case, if you imagine a spectrum, um, let's say hard science fiction is on the right half, soft science fiction is on the left half, and further down from science, soft science fiction dot, 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 fantasy. Well, it starts to fall apart and you perhaps have a bit more of a circle where fantasy and hard science fiction meet. That's really that's really interesting. So I want to go back to this distinction, sorry, between hard and soft genre, um, particularly because you did a great job of explaining it. But 
I was curious to, to hear about what kind of examples would characterize, say, for example, hard science fiction and soft science fiction on, on the ends of those spectrums. That's a good question. Um, so I think uh, hard science fiction really follows in the tradition of the big three, Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, and Robert Heinlein. Yeah, it very consciously follows in that tradition. Soft science fiction is really taking off more recently. Um, Emily St. John Mandel is a good revival or a good focal point of drawing attention to what is soft science fiction. Some of that, I think, goes back to um, Margaret Atwood, the great Canadian author. Yep. <laughs> and she had a complex relationship with science fiction, so people are like, okay, are you writing science fiction? Well, yes and no. <laughs> and because uh, some of it is, you know, what I.e. what is respectable. So as a respectable mm -hmm. author, as someone who has taught in English department, she didn't want to say, yeah, I'm a science fiction author. Because <laughs> right away yeah. people are like, okay, well, do you go to, you know, do you put on costumes on the weekend and go to conventions? Um, right. <laughs> so she uh, uh, resisted that a bit. So within, among the science fiction community, the short form for science fiction is not sci-fi per se, it's SF. Okay. And people yeah. say SF. Yeah. Atwood sort of played with that SF short form a bit, and she said, I write speculative fiction. Okay. Which you can then take one step further as science fiction. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, because I read The Handmaid's yeah. Tale. Yes. Yeah, and that's, again, it happens in the future. There's not really technology but per se, but it's futuristic. And Very much so. Going on. Okay, that's yeah. really interesting. Uh, okay, so I guess my next question is going to be, what is your place in this research? So uh, what yep. are you doing in specific? <laughs> do you have like a thesis question that you're answering or, or what? Are, where do you fit into all this? Great. Well, thank you, Amelie. I would say that, <laughs> and that's a good question. Where I fit into it is I'm connecting, and I'm very fortunate to be studying this at FIMS in the Faculty of Information and Media Studies, and more specifically in the Library and Information Studies program. Mm -hmm. So I'm sort of combining two academic, or a couple, or really I would say three academic traditions. I would say that there's science fiction studies, uh, which sort of came around in the 1970s and 80s in English departments and other similar fields, such as cultural studies. And then speaking of cultural studies, I would say I follow in the tradition of, or building upon the work of people like um, Janice Radway, author of Reading the Romance, Joan Shelley Rubin, The Making of Middlebrow Culture, and Russell Nye, The Unembarrassed Muse. And so they approach cultural studies from a sort of the approaching it from almost the mixture of English and history, okay. uh, which is distinct from the Birmingham tradition out of England of cultural studies, which is very Marxist and a little more political. So there's that cultural studies tradition called American Studies. And then here at FIMS, I study, build upon the work of library information science and a field within library information science called readership studies. Uh, at FIMS, there was Catherine Ross. She was the dean for a few years. My supervisor is Paulette Rothbauer. Um, and it's really looking at the perspective of readers. So to return to, like, so what is my research question? Well, I would say I'm, I'm interested in what is science fiction from the perspective of readers? Mm -hmm. So... I'm informed by the scholarship on science fiction, science fiction studies. I look at the American studies cultural tradition, and I'm interested in drawing from them the idea of genre as an event rather than as a static object on the shelf. Uh, so, for example, Janice Radway, she wrote Reading the Romance in 1984. She published in 1991, and she spoke of the romance community, and she said it's not an actual group functioning at the local level, Rather, it is a huge, ill-defined network composed of readers on the one hand and authors on the other. And so she saw all readers of romance as being part of a group okay. and the idea of reading as a social activity. Mm -hmm. 
connect that to library and information science and specifically readership studies, I'm interested in asking, looking at things from the perspective of readers. And there's been a tradition of quantitative and um, qualitative research on readership studies. And more specifically, so what I'm going to do more specifically, I think just deconstructing the term science fiction wouldn't help. Like, I mean, <laughs> just saying there is no such thing wouldn't necessarily make anyone's day. But what I would like to do is take that deconstructionist approach and say, okay, what is the perspective of readers? And more specifically within, within the LIS, there's the idea of a reader typology. Hmm. So readers uh, who, like, they're realists, they're escapists, and aesthetes. Okay, wait, going back, can you, so can you define reader yes. typology? Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so okay. that's a very good, and uh, some of this research um, is probably about 20 years old, so I'm connecting something that sort of was left hanging on the shelf. And the idea of a reader typology is that there are certain types of readers who enjoy certain types of books. Hmm. And so they weren't speaking specifically about science fiction, but they had other genres in mind. So for example, they said escapists, enjoy reading as an example mm -hmm. romances or perhaps westerns okay. realists when they read fiction they enjoy fiction that has information in it yeah. about the real world they want to they enjoy fiction that informs them about mm -hmm. everyday life and then aesthetes enjoy the literary experience the quality the uh, the the nuance of the writing mm -hmm. and what i'm doing is i'm suggesting that because science fiction is unique and because it's a genre that has subgenres or different types of experiences I suggest that those three terms are applicable to science fiction readers. So as an example, looking at uh, Station Eleven and Emily St. John Medell, I would say that people who read her novels do so because they enjoy the literary quality of the work. Mm -hmm. um, now, the typology is a little bit controversial because I think we, maybe in recent years, want to resist putting people into boxes. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, academics, and, you know, there's a lot of history around that and, or perhaps anthropology and looking at, okay, these people are like this, we'll put them in box A. These people like this, I'll put them in box B. And what I want to do is I want to say, okay, well, I'll admit the difficulty in typology. So <laughs> here I am saying I want to do typology, but I also acknowledge <laughs> it's difficult. But what I will say is the experience of scrolling, let's say, social media, and yeah, you're reading, but it's not really, you know, you're just passing time. That's one reading experience. The experience of reading a dense novel is another reading experience. So we as individual readers, we also experience different reading experiences. Some of us may have preferences. So we prefer reading one, one medium or one type of book. So bracketing the idea of people as being different, what I am suggesting, though, is that there are different reading experiences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... You say that you're not you're you're going to do a typology, but what is this typology? How in the world are you going to approach this typology and um, exploration of science fiction in terms of methodology? What might that look like, even if you haven't gotten to that yet? Perfect. Yeah, and that's fair. And yeah, I haven't gotten to it just yet. Although I do env envision, um, I just finished my comprehensive exams. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> that. And I, uh, so my next step is doing a uh, thesis proposal. And part of the thesis proposal will be to outline my mm -hmm. methodology. So mm -hmm. it's the next step down the road. Uh, I, so with regards to my typology uh, and methodology, <laughs> I, uh, um, the typology in LIS was built using uh, semi-structured interviews of readers. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would like to follow in that. I also envision the possibility, if I can get a large enough pool, of doing something a little more quantitative, i.e. a questionnaire. Okay. 
but yeah, within the idea of within interviews, I would be asking like, what sort of experiences like asking what people expect from their science fiction. So mm -hmm. somebody says, "Well, I want to read." And you'll hear this sometimes, like, uh, I'm a member of a science fiction book club. And mm -hmm. so people will sometimes say, I expect to see science. I want to learn about science. Right. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, well, that's, you expect, you know, you may lean towards the realist mm -hmm. end of it there mm -hmm. as an example. And as two very simple follow-ups, I guess what is the larger implication for this research? It's really interesting, and I imagine it being somewhere in libraries um, for use in library categorization or genre categorization categorization. So what broadly is, I guess, the overall application of doing this research or the worth in it? And then secondly, what drove you to this? You seem very passionate, very <laughs> interested in this research, and I love that. So I want to know what, what brought you to this this interesting project. Thank you. Um, so in terms of its worth or application, I think that there's something to be said for revisiting the concept of genre. Um, some of this will have applicability to films and to TV shows. I think it's especially applicable to the re the reading public. Um, within LIS, there's literature on what's called avid or serious readers, people who read, let's say, some some of the definitions can vary anywhere from reading a novel a week to reading, which is I think pretty ambitious, <laughs> to reading to reading a novel a month, which is perhaps more realistic. But um, so, for example, uh, the original Star Wars movie came out in 1977. Millions of people saw that. They're not necessarily engaged in a cultural activity. I mean, they are. Uh, but their 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 role is fairly passive. They went, saw a movie, ate popcorn, came home. <laughs> Among avid readers of science fiction, even just avid readers in general, a very unique cultural activity is happening because I think such readers are not just passively engaging in something. Rather, when you when such readers read a book, let's say read a novel once a month, it's not so much that they are passive recipients, so much as they are constructing. And I think some of this goes to in the university our idea of culture. So, for example, the traditional understanding of culture would see you know Western culture, Western European, and North American culture as being Shakespeare, Bach, Handel, great works of music and literature and scientific knowledge, and say, well, that's culture. It exists on the shelf. It exists independently. Whether you appreciate it or apprehend it or not, it exists on its own. It has its own merit, mm -hmm. and that view of culture is still there. And I think as much as we want to run away from it, it still informs a lot of the things we do mm -hmm. in English history and uh, English and history departments. What I'm suggesting is there's also another view of culture, i.e. what is happening. So in terms of the academic worth, what I'm asking, what I'm suggesting is that what people are doing when they read books regularly is deserves our academic attention. It does. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Really interesting. I kind of want to sign up for your study. Yeah. <laughs> so do I, actually. Yeah, you need two volunteers. Yeah, we're Very good. good. We're yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. No. Two, two so far. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, because I feel like I'm definitely in the avid reader category, probably falling in between one month to once a week, depending on how busy I am yes. and my PhD. But And what kind of books do you read, Amelie? Oh, my goodness. I like to read all books. So when you were saying the typologies, I was like, I'm all three. Like, yeah. I, I want to yeah. read. I want to learn stuff. I want to escape. And I want to read really well-written things. So probably science fiction... I have the most of my favorite books are in that genre, but I do, I, re I just finished a rom-com today. <laughs> so yeah. I do reach out into all categories, but I do want to ask, so Megan and I just signed up, but how are you going to find the rest of the avid yes. readers? Yeah. Okay, so very good. I think this goes back to what you just asked me. You asked about my personal interest. I, uh, I'm a member of a book club here in London. It's been around since 1980, Science Fiction London, and it pr is presently sponsored 
by the London Public Library. So send out my thanks to London Public Library for sponsoring us, i.e. giving us a meeting room <laughs> yeah. and facilitating our meetings. Um, so in terms of finding research participants, um, there are book, there are science fiction book clubs. There is, um, as an example, in Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Science Fantasy Society, which is a fancy way of saying, like we took science fiction and fantasy, science fantasy. Um, <laughs> and uh, also um, at, at FIMS, there has been re uh, quantitative research or, well, and also qualitative interview research done with actual students. Mm -hmm. so, there's, so there's every year there's a there's class offered in readership studies, and th they have been used before um, to help facilitate research. Because by definition, I think you can say that um, students who take mas the Master of Library Information Science program, which is the professional degree for librarianship, mm -hmm. are probably more likely to read fiction than the average person. And then within the MLIS program, those who take the class and readers advisory services, I think that's what it's formally known as, mm -hmm. would be especially likely to be avid readers. Mm -hmm. So right there, there's a large audience. Yeah. 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 And um, I guess one of my last my last questions about this is because we talk so much about ser serious and avid readers and I know you haven't gotten to that stage of your research where you're asking uh, people their their questions yet but um, in your research what have what ha what do you think avid readers are saying about science science fiction that's a very good question and I think I think there may be a distinction between avid readers in general and avid readers of science fiction so as an example um, if you just take a general avid reader, you may ask, it's possible that such a person may have mm -hmm. a negative view of science fiction. And they say, well, that's not really literary or, you know, I don't yeah. like to wear costumes. <laughs> so, okay, if I just ask that person, okay, read Station Eleven. Okay, A, do you consider that science fiction? Which was its own question. But also B, do you enjoy the experience? And then you start to see interesting things happening there. And I'm also interested in among, so there's avid readers in general and avid readers who enjoy science fiction in particular. And so what is it about avid readers of science fiction in particular that they are looking for what is it possible they're like Amelie that they enjoy realism mm -hmm. escapism and perhaps more literary sophisticated novels I see myself following in that distinction or typology but also in what way could the typology be improved is there something new I can say in that regard and I but more specifically I suggest that the typology has a lot more merit to it than the distinction between soft and hard science fiction that's fair um Mainly because I think Station Eleven is is um, a blurred line, I guess, yes. in between a lot of different subgenres and genres. Just from my own um, opinion, and I'm just going to warn you now: when you go to do those interviews, be prepared for some very um, intense responses. I feel like <laughs> you're going to get the paper version of of a Reddit uh, sub forum on on science fiction. So, yes. well, it sounds exciting to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, as we're approaching the end of the interview, I'm going to put you on the spot, Mark, and ask if you have some book recommendations yes. for our <laughs> listeners. So we got Station Eleven. That's on there. Uh, but what other books would you recommend? That's a very good question, Amelie. I think I can think of a few different things. So in addition to in addition to Station Eleven, yeah. <laughs> uh, perhaps a classic work would be uh, to return to the classics might be George Orwell's 1984. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I'm touching I'm touching on contentious ground here. I know not everyone will recognize Orwell as a science fiction author. That said, though, I think there's a lot of applicability to reading Orwell, and I think people would enjoy him. There is. A lot of uh, Canadian science fiction that's worth considering. In particular, um, I recommend anything by Rob Sawyer, who's an author of Toronto, and he publishes regularly. 
In terms of um, perhaps harder science fiction and, and appreciately difficulty after after deconstructing these terms, but uh, James Corey has written a number of uh, space operas. And you can't go wrong with something light, such as Hitchhiker Guys, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, <laughs> <laughs> which you know, in which there's a few novels in that in that uh, series. All right, thanks very much. I've just jotted those down into my notebook. I will search those out. Thanks very much. Well, I think Megan, as our social media manager, can ask the question <laughs> about social media. Mark, would, do you have any social media um, that you would like to shout out or tell our our listeners about? Just because we're just about out of time. Well, thank you, Megan. That's a great question. Um, so. In terms of social media, not really, uh, but uh, a good place to look for now would be the FIMS faculty page and list of PhD students. And if you looked under Library Information Science students, LES students, they can see me there. And then as I start publishing more, I will update that. That's perfect. And we'll put that in the description and in the links on our social media page. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for being here, Mark. It's, it's Your research is, as I've said to you personally, very interesting, very cool. And I really hope... Um, our, our listeners will get to see what that research brings in the future. Yeah, thanks very much. Well, thank you very much, Amelie, and thank you, Megan. Thank you. And with that, this has been GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. I've been your host, Megan Vole, and my co-host was Amelie Hutchinson, and we've been speaking with Mark Ambrosio. And this episode was produced by Emily Hutchinson as well. <laughs> if you would like to be involved with the show or get in contact with us, email us at gradcast at sogs.ca. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Gradcast Radio. To listen to us, we are on Radio Western at 94.9 FM, and you can also find all of our episodes wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you for listening and enjoy the rest of your day, and make sure to read Station 11.